Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Welcome to today's podcast. Welcome to the Young Smirks podcast. We have a very special guest today, Sheikh Abu Osama. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Ah, just, yeah? My brother, no, no, John I'm, Fontaine. I'm so happy to see you again. Alhamdulillah. It's my pleasure, man. I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to our community here in Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, we have met a few years ago back in the Holy Land of Mecca. And then we went to Medina and we met up again. And now we're here in the UK in my community in Liverpool. So we lay out for you the red carpet of our hospitality. It's a pleasure having you here. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. It's been a pleasure spending the past couple of days here, showing me around, showing what, it's, what it takes to be an imam, subhanAllah. That's very... Uh, it's very eye-opening, subhanAllah. It's I not mean, an easy job. It's not an easy you job, know? but it is um, fulfilling and it's rewarding. Yeah. I say jihad, a struggle. Yeah. But I uh, um, thank Allah for the opportunity to be able to work with the Muslims and for the Muslims as opposed to being tried with what a lot of Muslims are tried with, where they have to work with non-Muslims who it can be quite daunting and difficult mm -hmm. because of the language and yeah. what they do. So it is a ni'mah, no doubt yeah. about it. Sheikh, subhanAllah, um, basically I set up this podcast and basically I'm trying to introduce the general Muslim to people like yourself, people who have studied Islam, people who have had a journey, you know, because you were not always a Muslim. Yeah, that's correct. Um, may Allah bless you for the effort of setting up the podcast. I think this is the first podcast that I've ever participated in. And I think it was only appropriate that historically it would be someone who I, uh, I love, I respect. I had an interview similar to this a few days ago, and I hope we can touch upon that a little bit. But uh, I think brothers like you and other brothers who are trying to, inshallah, utilize the technology and the language of the day that the millennials understand, I think it's our responsibility to um, spread the message in this way. So it gives me a great pleasure to be introduced to your viewers. Which state, where did you grow up? My family, my peoples are originally from North Carolina for the most part. They're from a place called Gastonia, Bessemer City, and some other pockets of North Carolina. They migrated to the North, and they settled in New Jersey. So I'm actually from New Jersey on the East Coast. That's next to New York, Connecticut, the tri-state area. And that's where I accepted Al-Islam in 1986 at the tender age of 22 years old. So I come from New Jersey. I was yeah. born in 86. MashaAllah. So, <laughs> so, subhanAllah. Yeah, so how did you find Islam? Like, what was... Coming from that area, Al-Islam was there and that's because of the efforts of people from the nation of islam elijah muhammad and his son and imam waradhuddin muhammad that area was saturated with a lot of activities by the nation of islam so people were exposed to muslims and muslim names although they were not really practicing islam clearly the nation of islam is not really islam but because they were using Islamic terminology and they were claiming to be Al-Islam, and that call helped to clean up the lives of many African-Americans. 
it resonated with me as a youngster. Mm. So when I started to go out to search for Islam and a place called Patterson, New Jersey, that's where I embraced Al-Islam. There was a brother, I would like to mention his name. His name is Amir Fasha. May Allah have mercy upon him. Right. I was in the, um, I don't know how can I describe it. I would describe it as the, the special university. Some of the brothers know what I'm talking about when I say that. I was in a special university at that time. And this brother used to come to give dawah to us in that university. And uh, the way that he gave dawah was very simple and it um, was comprehensive to me and I accepted Islam. When I got out of that university, mm-hmm. matriculated and I finished what I had to do there, I met some brothers from that area and uh, began to see they didn't know much about Al-Islam. But mm-hmm. to their credit, and this is why I'm paying homage to this man, he knew how to give dawah and what to talk about because he knew what to talk about to me. But I wanted to be a real Muslim and I wanted to grow and I wanted to develop. And then I went to Newark, New Jersey and East Orange, New Jersey, where I met my first teacher, a brother by the name of Imam Ahmed Burhani. I'm indebted to him. And I'm indebted to the brothers who were around and Imam Ahmed Burhani, who is still alive. He's in Newark, New Jersey, East Orange, New Jersey at this time. He went to study in Saudi Arabia for some time. So he had been exposed to Arabic language and had a core group of brothers around him in a real community dealing with addressing the issues and the challenges of their community. Brothers like my big brother, Mustafa Shakur, Alif Mustafa Shakur, and uh, other brothers who I, to this day, yes, I graduated from Medina and those brothers didn't. But I, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I owe a great debt of gratitude to how they were mentoring me. And I've never forgotten that about them. I've never forgotten that about them. You know, subhanAllah, it's so important to remember the people that made sense to you in them early years. Sometimes they're not scholars, they're not students of knowledge, just basic people giving the basic message of Islam. And, it, and it, you know, you see something in it and you remember them for that. This is absolutely true, brother. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Ahi John Fontaine, a lot of our brothers, as we get more knowledge, we lose common sense, like just having the insania, the respect to appreciate people who helped you. And there's a hadith that we can parrot it off, maybe even in Arabic, but do we understand it and do we practice it? The Prophet, he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man lam nas, lam Whoever doesn't thank the people, he hasn't thanked mm. Allah. So I have to thank that brother, Amir Pasha. Although he didn't have a lot of knowledge and we were clashing because I was young and I knew what he was teaching wasn't correct, but I didn't disrespect him. And now this many years fast forwarded, I appreciate him. And another example of that is Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz, Malcolm X. Every time I go to Hajj, as I'm going to go to Hajj, inshallah, in about another two weeks, I take my sons to the airport and I make a video and I always pay homage to Malcolm X because it was the first autobiography that I read. First book that I ever read was called Man, Child, and the Promised Land by Claude Brown. And it opened up my eyes to the world of literature that you can actually get lost in reading things. It's not a religious book, obviously. But um, after reading that book, I read Malcolm X. And that was the book more than any other thing that was the impetus and the 
Genesis for me to really, really look for what is really slam. So I stand on the shoulders of iconic personalities like Malcolm X. And I will even say like Elijah Muhammad. But in saying like Elijah Muhammad, it's not from the angle of praising him and raising him up. Yeah. No, it's from the angle that the Prophet said about that man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the companions were engaged and participating in a campaign against the non-Muslims and they were fighting. And there was one man who was really prolific and he was really getting busy and dealing with the non-Muslims. The companions saw him really getting busy. So they say, Ya Rasulullah, this man was really, really doing a wonderful job, an amazing job in fighting and killing the non-Muslims. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, due to revelation and due to being told, not because he knows the unseen, he said, that man is from the people of the hellfire. The companions were shocked. And although they saw the man was doing a good job, mm. when the prophet said what he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they had no doubt that what he was saying was true. And that's the sign of the true Muslim. As Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُنَ لَهُمْ الْخِيرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ It's not acceptable, befitting for, befitting for a believing man, believing woman, if Allah or his messenger decides something to have any say so. You have to do what has been established. Anyway, when they engaged the non-Muslims again, it just happened that someone stabbed that man. The non-Muslim stabbed that man and he didn't have sabr. So in his state of agony, he put his sword in the ground and he threw himself on the sword, thus committing suicide. And committing suicide is one of the major sins in Al-Islam. So when the companions saw that that man committed suicide, they know there are a hadith, anyone who kills himself, he'll kill himself in the knot of Jahannam in the same way he committed suicide. If he jumped off of a high place, he'll continuously jump off a high place. If he took poison, he'll continually poison himself. If he stabbed himself, whatever, shot himself, he'll continually do that. May Allah save us and help us and all people who are tried with thinking about committing suicide. Anyway, when they told the Prophet about what happened, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, and this is the point about Elijah Muhammad, mm. Inna it is possible that Allah can help his religion, will help his religion with an evil man. Mm. Someone who's a non-Muslim, someone who's an evil man. This is possible. Allah can and will help his religion with mm. someone who is an evil man. So Elijah Muhammad didn't call to Al-Islam, but the dawah that he was on, the group that he had, it gave some exposure to my community, African-Americans, in the East Coast and other than that, gave them exposure to a thing that is known as Al-Islam. Mm. And they came full circle with his son, Warath al-Din Muhammad, Allahu lana wa lahu wa rahimahu Allahu ta'ala. You know, one, one of the strong points with a lot of the community, community work they were doing, cleaning up the community, being part of the community. And this is something I've actually seen in you, uh, spending the past couple of days with you here in Liverpool, <laughs> subhanAllah. You know, I will honestly say, subhanAllah, people who think they know you, <laughs> watching your, uh, you know, your videos online, they may have been following you for the past 20 years. 
I will honestly say you don't know the show until you come to Liverpool and see the way you are moving in the streets. You know, was walking down the streets, you're saying hello to the old ladies, you're saying salam to everyone, the non-Muslims, the Muslims, everyone knows you, you're, you know, you're patting them on the back. SubhanAllah, every age group from small kids all the way up to 80-year-old men, they have this love for you. You know, you've come into a community which, which, subhanAllah, you've had a few disagreements with the community. You don't agree with everything in the community. But I think this has actually, personally, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's brought something out of you which maybe wouldn't have come out of you in, say, like when you was in Green Lane and mm. something like that. I feel that there's something else here. That What do you think about that? I think it's a fair <clears throat> assessment and a good observation. I mean, first of all, as Abu Bakr al-Siddiq used to say, may Allah be pleased with him, he was a wali from the Odiya of Allah. And when people used to say, positive things about him in his face. And Al-Albani used to say this all the time too. Rahmatullahi alayhi and Imam Al-Albani, Sheikh Al-Albani. He used to say, oh Allah, don't hold me accountable for what mm. they're saying. And make me better than what they're saying. Make me better than what's being said. And there's some other stuff connected to that. We ask Allah to accept it from us mm. and to make it you know, sincere for its sake alone. But in actuality, although the community, the fiber of the community, the fabric of the community is a bit different than Green Lane in some ways, and that it's a smaller place and we're closer knit. And in this area that surrounds the mosque, we're all Muslims from all parts of the world. We have about 60 different ethnic groups in our community, people from Indonesia, Malaysia, people from all over the Arab world, all over Africa. And we live around this mosque. So by default, I'm just going to meet everybody and know everybody. So coming to the masjid, going around the different areas that I visit, going to meet my community members mm -hmm. and give them love, especially the younger people and the older people. And that helped mm -hmm. to galvanize support. Because when mm -hmm. I came here, all of the jama'at of al-Islam just about are here. Mm -hmm. Ikhwan Muslimin from every country mm. with the nuances that they bring to the table mm. from Egypt, from Iraq, from Syria, from Jordan, from Pakistan, from India, from everywhere. Mm. Sufis in my masjid, liberals in my masjid, Jamaat Tabliq in my masjid, some young brothers from the Gulat are in my masjid, and they're the most disruptive group. If I have to be honest with you, instead of helping. Mm. The Tao of the Sunnah go forward, you know, they want to sabotage it and tell mm. these regular people he's a Muqtadi. Who's a Muqtadi? It's just unbelievable. But the point is, in having all of those different people, now your skills as a Da'i are really tested mm. because these people are not singing from the same hymn book as you are. So you have to be easy with them. You have to be gentle with them. You have to be tolerant with them. You have to be mm. wise with them. It makes no sense for me to engage these people in those things that are above their heads or it's going to run them away. The Prophet used mm. to warn against that. And he said to the people, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
Some of you people, you make the people run away from Islam. Mm -hmm. You're too rough, you're too tough, or whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. Abdullah bin Mas'ud and Ali bin Abi Talib, may Allah be pleased with both of them. And this is really mm -hmm. important for all of us, mothers, fathers, any youngsters, anybody who's giving dawah. Ali bin Abi Talib and Abdullah bin Mas'ud, they said, both of them, talk to the people, give dawah to the people based upon their level of understanding. Mm -hmm. Do you want them to reject Allah and his messenger? The other one said, you will not talk to the people and tell them about some speech that they don't comprehend, except it's going to be a fitna mm. to some of them. So what had happened, I just gave you an example. My brother, Mufti Munir, mm. Muhammad Mufti Munir. I think that brother and a lot of the other young brothers will say, when I was in East Orange, New Jersey, I used to try to give love to all of the younger brothers coming up, Shadid, Muhammad. Even those brothers, uh, Hassan, uh, Malik, and all of those brothers, I would try to be supportive of those brothers. I never had jealousy, and I never had hatred towards them. But my brother, Mufti Munir, he was giving some fatwas mm -hmm. to a group of people in his community, addressing the issues of those people in that community. Mm -hmm. And some of those questions were sexual in nature. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to a group of people based upon their understanding. Yeah, yeah. Some people took that recording and spread it to people who are not from that community, who may not be dealing with or facing those particular dynamics of those specific people. Mm. And as a result of that, his words were a fitna for other people. Mm. And that's why it may not have necessarily been wise for him to record that and to let it go out. Mm. I'm not criti criticizing him as a person, but that was a learning curve and I hope that he learned from that. But the point here is, Talk to the people based upon their yeah. level of understanding. So here in my community, that's how our dawah is. Mm. Trying to call to the kitab and the sunnah, mm. the way the companions understood it. But mm. taking into account, I have people in my community who are from the Rafida. Mm. This is the central mosque in mm. Liverpool. This is the main mosque right Jeez. here. So if someone dies, as you've been here two days, we have prayed over and washed about seven bodies in two days. We're always washing oh. bodies. So someone from Iran dies in this community. I don't come and open up his chest to see if he cursed the companions. That's not my job. Mm. So I don't know anything about him. He is much hood, unknown to me. I don't know him. So what I do, if someone dies from Iran, we get his body washed and I pray over him. But before the salat of any Iranian, I get on the member. Because the Prophet Wasallam used to get on the member for the khutbah to Juma, And if something was important happened, he would get on the member. And as soon as he got on the member, the companions knew, uh-oh, this thing is important. So we utilize the member to practice that sunnah. Mm. For any of the brothers who have mm. a masjid and you have a member, don't just leave it there for Friday. So I get on that member and then I start talking about the virtues of Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman specifically. And then the companions generally, radiallahu anhum, so as to directly mm. and indirectly give dawah to the people yeah. who come from Iran to say, hey, we don't curse the companions in this religion. And whoever does mm. that, he has no religion. And I have mm. to say this once again in 2019 on this day, the last day of my life that I'm living right now. One time I said, I saw in Abu Bakr and Umar something that doesn't allow me to take everything from them. 
Meaning I don't blindly follow them because mm -hmm. I don't see them as being infallible like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But that wasn't the best way of saying that. Yeah. So yeah. I want to make that clear again, although yeah. some people are still using that against me to keep brothers away from listening to me yeah. because I'm against Abu Bakr and Umar. Mm -hmm. And yet we get mm -hmm. on the member to tell people, hey, mm -hmm. Abu Bakr and Umar, they are the deen. Mm -hmm. Some of the it wasn't about their status, it's about the status of the Prophet. So exactly. That's what you that was the yeah. point. Some of the scholars said, Surat Al-Fatiha, they said that the Surat Al-Mustaqeem, guide us to the Surat Al-Mustaqeem, is the Surat of Abu Bakr and Umar. And by default, the rest of the companions, So back to the square, as it relates to my community, we have to be in the community and we can't be people who are just singing to the choir. Yeah. Our dawah should go out to the Muslims who are not upon what we're on and also go out to the non-Muslims mm. as well. So we have schools that are coming here that are not Muslims. Some of them come. There's a lot of hesitation and trepidation. They don't know, are we going to hurt their children? Mm. Their parents come as chaperones. And mm. then when they come and they hear the message that we celebrate mm. diversity in this mm. city of Liverpool. Mm. Liverpool used to be a very important international city mm. like Paris, New York. Even like yesterday London. you were showing us around, you were showing mm. us... The, the places where the slave masters and where they used to bring slaves here. This place has the very first Chinatown in all of Europe, mm. has the first mosque right here in the UK. Mm. So it is culturally rich. I think the first Muslims also came here to Yemen, is right? Yeah, the first Muslims mm. who came, they were sailors who came from Yemen and from Somalia. Mm. They came, and when they docked at the uh, Liverpool dock, they threw their anchors overboard and they said, we're staying here. And they set up shop. They married the local women, the Scousers. Some of them <laughs> went back and brought their, their wives here. And now they have a vibrant community, mm. Yemenis and Somalis. But unfortunately, mm. and this is what you'll find in the UK, a lot of our youngsters are involved in gun crime. Mm. They're involved in knife crimes. They're mm. killing each other and stabbing each other. Oh. And we're not exempt from that. I've been here almost three years. This was the third Ramadan that I've been here. We must have had about 20 or so youngsters that have been stabbed or shot to death. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. One or two men die. Same yeah, in Manchester. Manchester, in London. London's even worse. It's even SubhanAllah. worse. I just saw a picture on WhatsApp. My brother Musa from Uganda sent it to me where someone who was in a window in a building they took a picture of a kid who was on the gurney he had a massive hole in his chest i don't know how that could have happened because it didn't look like a gun wound but you know these kids are carrying knives and axes i mean it was just unbelievable and a lot of times it's muslims mm. belonging to one gang fighting mm. against muslims that are belonging to mm. another gang so mm. now the question is John Fontaine. You know, Sheikh, before point, I forget, because yeah. you know I'm old and I'll forget. <laughs> Does it make sense for me as an imam mm. to busy my mm. community and these youngsters with a sheikh in Saudi Arabia said this about mm. this man and another mm. sheikh in Yemen said this about this man and I'm going back and forth in my community about this mm. issue and I'm expecting my community my community members yeah. to have wala and bara and these issues while yeah. our kids are killing each other and being killed yeah. by each other. It doesn't make any sense.
It's, uh, and losing the deen as genome. well. They're they, losing the deen. To, to dying and killing each other as Muslims, one thing. People are leaving Islam. You know, I just got a message. There's, there's, I'm not going to say the, the town, but there's a town in England. Already they have three Muslim sisters who are saying they want a sex change. Teenagers, 12 years old. You know, so we've got these huge issues in the community. And this is not praising you. What I'm saying is, is you've actually studied properly. You know, you've actually been away and studied with scholars. You, you've been to the Middle East. You spent time outside of, 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 of the West. But you're, you're coming back and actually using the knowledge. You know, you're doing something with it, you know. Yeah, I had that opportunity of studying, and alhamdulillah, that's been very beneficial. And I will say that the scholars of Saudi Arabia, they have virtues over us. They have virtues because they helped us to get on the sunnah, and they helped and they saved us from not understanding what real Islam was when we were knocking about in America looking for the truth. Because mm -hmm. I started with... American Muslim mission, and then I found Jamaat Tabliq for a minute, and it was with Jamaat Tabliq, and I was only with them for a hot minute. It was with them that I said to myself, if I don't get an opportunity to learn this language, then I'm going to be left to the devices of whoever is in America talking whatever they're talking. And I went to Saudi Arabia, alhamdulillah, and that was a nightmare. But I have to have enough sense, and other brothers have to have enough sense. Respecting them is one thing. But superimposing Saudi Arabian culture upon the communities that we come from is not Islamic and it doesn't make sense. Hmm. And the scholars of Saudi Arabia, they represent some of the scholars of the Muslim world. They are scholars in Libya, in Morocco, in Pakistan, in Egypt, in Syria, in Jordan, and all over the world. And for that hmm. reason, the Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad, Hafidullah, when he wrote that book, Treaties, O Ahlul Sunnah, be gentle with Ahlul Sunnah. Mm. In his advice, he said, I advise you brothers to return your affairs back to the major scholars of Saudi Arabia. I love the book. I love the Sheikh. But I don't accept that particular point of advice. Mm. And I know what he meant. That's what he knows. And he respects that particular body. So he advised with that. And I don't think you can go wrong if you do that. But there are other bodies of scholars mm -hmm. in the countries we come from. Yeah. So we had this thing about he doesn't refer back to the scholars, meaning Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. No, Saudi Arabia has good scholars on the Sunnah. And as I said, other countries, Uzbekistan, other countries, they have their ulama mm -hmm. because people have their own unique circumstances. Now, that does not mean, as I hear some people saying in the West, for an example, or in America, that we are the scholars mm. of those lands. We're not scholars. Mm. We're students of knowledge on varying degrees, mm. but we don't have to tie ourselves mm. to one country or one group of scholars or to one or two or three scholars or one mm. body of scholars. Mm. Because Allah did not make the haq munhasira. The haq is not contained and no one man or two men or three men or four men or a group of body of major scholars, the haq is not with them. They don't, yeah. as they don't, uh, they are not the ijma. Yeah. So, Sheikh, on this point, uh, this, the past week or so, there has been some statements by uh, 
someone uh, from the West who said some statements in terms of where they kind of disconnecting themselves from the scholars. I mean, of course, as you're saying, the scholars are all over the world, but the inheritors uh, of the Prophet وسلم, are the scholars. You know, we're not talking about, you know, with, with the, with the Aqidah uh, and the, the methodology of the Prophet وسلم, and some of these statements I've, I've found a bit problematic and I've asked for some people to kind of, some people of knowledge to kind of comment on them. Um, there's been a few uh, videos uh, which have been raised. But in terms of things like Akida, uh, things like this, how should we study uh, these points? And although, as we're saying, it's not just about scholars from uh, the Gulf, there are scholars in different countries, but how do, I, how do we identify what scholars we should go to in terms of studying the actual Akida of Islam? Well, I want you to remember that point if I forget to come back to it. But there was something that you said previously that I want to touch upon, Israel, very quickly. You said mm. that there is a town in which three Muslim sisters yes. want to change their sex. Mm. These are real issues, brother, mm. right here. You didn't name that town. I'm telling you right here in my masjid. In Liverpool. In Liverpool, in my masjid. Mm. There was a man who embraced Islam, and he's in the process of going through a sex change. Mm. And I met him and I sat with him to try to deal with the situation because he's not outside of the fold of Islam for what he's mm. doing, yeah. but he's a revert of the religion and he's in the middle of the process. So my point is, this is real stuff, man. This is the reality on the ground, brother. Mm. So I have to find out and I have to figure mm. out what and, do we do with and him? And this isn't something you can just sweep under the carpet. I can't. This is out in the open. It, you know. You can't. So if we allow him to pray Juma and prayer with the men as he was created, it's a problem because he appears to have characteristics of a woman. If we allow him to pray with the women, it's a problem because the women don't want that. And he's not a complete woman. He's not a woman. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And if you say to him, I'm going to put you and isolate you in a room by yourself for Juma. He can go to the authorities and say, they're discriminating against me. Yeah. So when they find me discriminating against him, mm. I get splashed on the newspaper and the yeah. TV and I become the nonviolent extremist yeah. while you and I are at each other's throats yeah. because... That sheikh said he doesn't like this one and that one doesn't like that mm. one. And you and me are busy being stuck on stupid dealing with this mm. issue that really is irrelevant in comparison. Yeah. I just wanted to make that point because these are real yeah. life issues. It's not just a, a segregated case. As it relates to Aqidah and studying Aqidah, we take our Aqidah from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who described himself. And he described himself with names and attributes. And he knows himself better than anyone else. And we take it from the authentic sunnah of the Prophet who knew the words of Allah better than anyone else. He was taught the Quran and the meaning of the Quran directly. Subhanahu wa ta'ala made sure that the Prophet was the one the Rasul, the Nabi, who explained this religion. And he explained the 
Allah's names and attributes and issues of Aqidah and theology explained it to the companions. The companions didn't ask when they heard these things concerning Allah's names and attributes and these different aspects of what we believe in and our theology. They didn't ask how, when, why. They didn't do that. They said, we hear and we obey. So what they did is what we do. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he said to the people, Follow and don't introduce and make up. Because in what the companions were doing, it's enough for you. Mm. That's the blueprint for success. That's the template. If someone comes now, 1,440 years later, 1919, 2019, someone comes now and says, no, I found a way that is better. Mm. I found a way and I choose a way mm. that's different than theirs, then that person is halik, as mm. the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. No one will leave what I brought, which is clear, except that he will be destroyed. He's going to destroy himself. And we ask Allah to protect us from that. You know, this, this statement is very similar to how what, what this individual was speaking about. It reminded me of how Christian creed has developed. You know, how they've come away from the, the religion of Isa. And they've formulated their own religion, their own Aqidah, basically. But ours is formulated from the beginning, from the Prophet ﷺ. The deen is complete, and we take from the, from the early uh, yeah, Everything sources. that we need to know, as I told you about Allah, who He is, what He does, mm. who He isn't, what He doesn't do, where He is, where He's not. And we don't know everything about Allah, mm. but what He told us about Himself, mm. subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is there in the Quran and the Prophet brought it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we don't have to look anywhere else. And you're right. What happened to the Yahud and the Nasara is that they started making up things until finally came up with a version of God mm. that is not even correct. Mm. And they had ikhtilaf mm. about who God is and who God isn't. Even mm. I hear some of the people from the LGBT community saying she when referring to God. Why can't God be a she? And so forth and so on. Yeah, yeah. In Al-Islam, in Aqidah, unlike Fiqh, because I heard an yeah. erroneous statement yeah. from this brother that it's like the Fiqh. Mm. Aqidah is not like Fiqh. Mm. And Fiqh, the Masadir of the Fiqh, the sources where we say Halal Haram, Quran, Sunnah, Qiyas, Ijma. Mm. There's Qiyas. Mm. So we know that crack is Haram. We know that our, uh, weed is haram, although Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu didn't have crack of weed. Yeah. But we know because qiyas with khamr, yeah. intoxicants. In Aqidah, there is no qiyas. Mm. You don't make qiyas. Mm. So Aqidah is not like fiqh mm. in any shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. Except that fiqh rulings are established from Quran and the Sunnah mm. and Ijma. And over here, Aqidah has it's proofs in Quran, Sunnah, mm. and Ijma as well. Mm. But there's no Qiyas in Fiqh. So mm. the scholars of Islam, no doubt, they codified mm. the Aqidah of Islam, meaning from the Asul of what the companions were upon and what they believed. And the first generations of Muslims is that they believe this and they believe that and they believe this. Yes, they did that. But the way they believe it, these things come mm. from 
how we see the companions when the Prophet mentioned things to them, sallallahu alayhi wa No, of course, Shaykh. We have, of course, within, under the umbrella of Islam, if you like, we do have uh, people with different aqidah, which we regard as Muslims, but we believe they have a, a, a prob problems in their aqidah, in how they understand uh, these certain uh, you know, like the names and attributes of Allah, etc. But we would still refer to them as Muslim, etc. You know, they still come under the under the fold of Islam. Now, this particular individual was basically saying that, like fiqh, you can choose which aqidah you want to study. You know, like for instance, uh, if you want to study the Athari Creed, if you want to study the Ashari Creed, or the Mutarid Creed, he also said, just choose whichever one you want to study. What advice would you give us regarding this? That's false and it's balala. It's not only false and dangerous, but it is going astray. The Prophet used to say every Friday, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whenever he married people on the day of the Eid, whenever he wanted to address the people and they were in the assembly, he would say, every newly invented matter is an innovation. And every innovation is going astray. The Prophet brought Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam one aqidah. And this is why you find the companions not having ikhtilaf in aqidah. You know, you can put on two fingers the issues that there are some differences of opinion how the companions understood those things. Ad-Dajjal, is he? Ibn al-Sayyad, the dead person in the grave. Will he be punished by the crying and the wailing of the deceased? Companions took different positions on that. The Khawarij, are they Muslims or not Muslims? There are only a few issues, whereas in fiqh, in fiqh, and there's a proof that aqid and fiqh are not the same. In fiqh, just take salat, just take hajj, just take zakat. There are varying positions from the companions in those issues. But in aqidah, no. And these are valid positions, valid, valid differences, basically. Of course, they're differences. We of don't even we like calling this. it, we don't even like calling it ikhtilaf mm. because sometimes I found people have an axe to grind against you and they're upset. Mm. They'll take that statement the companions mm. had ikhtilaf in some points of aqidah. Mm. They'll go and tell, tell a sheikh, Abu Usama said that the, the companions had ikhtilaf in aqidah. Wallahi, they didn't agree on a few issues. You can count them on 10 fingers, mm. 10 fingers. But there's a lot of issues. There are a lot of issues in Aqidah yeah. that they didn't have ikhtilaf. So the point is, it is not permissible for a person to say, you are at your own, you know, you're on your own to choose from the Asha'ira or from this group or that group. And you're free to choose from the Athari way, the Salafi way. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. It's whatever works with you. That's mm -hmm. not true. That's not true because that's not the understanding that the companions had. And that's not the understanding that the followers of the companions had. Muhammad ibn Salim told the people, early this knowledge is your religion, so watch and beware of who you take your religion from. They used to come to an Imam Mali, these people of these varying aqidahs, and they would say, I would like to debate you about an ayat of the Quran, Ar-Rahman, Al-Arsh Istawa. Allah is over his throne, Ar-Rahman. So people started differing in that after the companions. They came to Imam Malik. The man said, I want to debate you on that. Mm. And Imam Malik said, no, I know my religion. Mm. I know where it lies. I know what the Quran said. I know what the companions are saying. So what you do is 
go look for somebody else to mm. debate them who doesn't know his religion. Mm. He asked another man, okay, if I do debate you and you overpower me and you defeat me, what should I do? The man said, you should follow me. And Imam Malik said to the man, Rahmatullahi and what if I defeat you in the argument? The man said, I will follow you. And Imam Malik then asked him, okay, what if I took your side and you took my side? And then the third man came and he defeated both of us. He said, then we should follow him. Mm. And Imam Malik said, I see you as a man who is mutalawin. You're changing colors. Mm. Every time someone comes with you with an argument, First, you're on the aqid of this person, the aqid of that person, the aqid of that person. That's your religion. You flip-flopping. You all over the place. You are a hot mess with this understanding. No. We have to have thabat. We have to be established and firm. And don't worry about how people are looking at you and making fun of you. Imam al-Oza'i told the people, take the methodology and the way of the predecessors, those mm-hmm. companions. And don't be faint-hearted and weak and afraid of the people and the numbers that they have or following other than that way. So if someone comes with this beautiful speech about how he is open-minded and he is allowing people, don't listen to that. Be stubborn and tenacious in holding on to the way of the companions. And that's what the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, Hold on to my sunnah and the sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, those companions. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, may Allah be pleased with And the companions, hold on to it with your molas. Because if a person were to hold something, he can apply so much pressure with his hand. He puts it under his arm, he can apply so much pressure. If he puts it between his neck and his shoulder, so much pressure. He puts it between his knees, so much pressure. But if he puts it in his mouth and he's biting down on that's the most pressure that he can apply from his body. That's the way of the Prophet saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, don't open up your minds and to give it to people who come with Zukhraful Qawl, just beautiful, beautiful, flowery words. You'll wind up in the hellfire with that. Sheikh, for, of course, a lot of the people who might be listening to the podcast, they're going to be English speakers. They're not going to have access to books in Arabic or even scholars. For, for the most part, a lot of people don't even have, have access to students of knowledge, etc. What books in English would you recommend for people who are trying to understand uh, the correct way of Islam? One thing that I can say that I try to do, John Fontaine, is... I try to stay in my lane. I'm not one of those people who tries to be on every ship that leaves the dock. I know what I do, and I try to do what I do the best that I can. And this is the reason why I don't have, alhamdulillah, any envy, inshallah, towards any other da'i. A lot of the problems that we have amongst ourselves, it goes back to desires who's getting the most exposure, who has the most followers. So I know my lane and I know what I do. I'm not that dude who's going to line up the chairs and the cups. And that's not my job. It's my job to come and deliver the khutbah, the lesson, and I know my lane. You actually, brother, may be better equipped to answer that question than I am. 
And that's because I really don't know with yakin, sound knowledge, what books are out there in English. And I'm just saying this because this is my reality. I don't really read English books like that. Of course, yeah. But generally speaking, and you would be able to answer that question better than me, but right off the cuff, off the top of my dome, the book of Allah has been translated into English. The proper apida, first and foremost, is in the Quran, and then in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu But both of them are vast. But I'm encouraging people, read the Quran. Read the Quran and come to know what Allah said about himself. And read as much of the sunnah as possible, because those are the two sources. But as I said, the scholars codified this aqidah. So there are certain books that a person can read to make it easier. I found the book of someone who I consider an elder to me. I consider him one of the pioneers of the stawa of the Sunnah in America and in the West, Abu Amina Bilal Phillips. May Allah bless him and his efforts and his projects across the globe. Bilal Phillips wrote some plain and simple books. Like I think he has a book called Kitab al-Tawheed. Some basic books about what we believe and it's in a language that any Amr, Bakr, Zaid, Amina, Aisha, Fatima, Khadija, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can understand those books. So read that book that he wrote, Kitab al-Tawheed, and also the larger book by Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahmatullahi Ali, Kitab al-Tawheed. Why? Why that book? Because he comes from Saudi Arabia and he's a Wahhabi and I have allegiance to the Wahhabis. <laughs> Kalla. Kalla. I don't agree with everything about Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahmatullahi Ali, or his Ikhwan who were with him. I don't agree with everything. But his book is a book that brings verses of the Quran. And then those verses are strengthened with a hadith talking about the same issue. And then he brings the statements of the companions and the tabi'in about how do you understand those issues. And it's a basic, simple, comprehensive book. Yeah. You know so what? I would say I, read those books. Yeah, I agree that, I mean, from my own experience, when I first came to Islam, I found Dr. Bilal Phillips, his books, especially because they were actually authored in English. They were mm-hmm. not translations from Arabic. I found them very beneficial, you know, and Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Bilal Phillips, I have yeah. to take this opportunity to say this. Bilal Phillips, brother, when I became a Muslim, I found the American Muslim Mission. I went to the Jamaat Tabligh. And I used to go over to New York City to their main mosque to hang out with them on a weekend. Mm. And I found the people from the Ansarullah cult from Brooklyn, New York. Mm. They looked attractive. They were wearing phobes, the men. Mm. And the way they were dressing, I was a brand spanking new Muslim. Mm. I don't know what Islam really is, but they looked attractive to me. Mm. And then when I went up to the guys who were selling things at their stalls, the smell, the aromas, that whole thing about, you know, when you become a Muslim, I even remember when I was very young, to this day, if I look into a marble and I see the prisms and the colors, Mm. it reminds me of when I was young. Mm. I remember being a first Muslim. If I smell frankincense, if I smell to this day, Mm. Egyptian musk, it takes me back to those days of Islam when it was simple. Easiest, very simple. Simple. Yeah, subhanAllah. And Bilal Phillips' books, the Sheikh's books. Wallahi, mm. I read Ansarullah Cult, that book. Mm. And it opened up my eyes that, hey, you got to be careful. These groups are a problem. Mm. And I mean, generally speaking, these groups, mm. 
Now, how would I and how in the world? I do not agree with everything that a Sheikh Bilal says, and he doesn't expect or want me to agree with everything he says. How can I come now and throw that man off of the Sunnah because he made a mistake here or there, yeah. or he doesn't parrot the words that I parrot, nor mm -hmm. does he big up the Sheikh that I big up as opposed to following the Hadith? Whoever doesn't think the people, mm. he hasn't thanked Allah. Yeah. No, that's not the sunnah, mm. brother. The mm. sunnah is to be grateful. And for that reason, we found that the Prophet wasallam, when Abdullah ibn Abbas's cousin said, your uncle, Abu Talib, Abdul Muttalib, he helped you a lot in this religion. Mm. He helped you. He saved you. He helped you. What are you going to do for him? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Abu Talib, he said, because of me, he will get the least amount of punishment, Yom mm. Qiyamah. And what's the least amount of punishment? Sayyid Bukhari. A pair of shoes would be made for him, and they'll put his shoe, feet in his shoes in the mount of Jahannam and so high that a ball his brains. But the Prophet appreciated what his uncle did for him, the mm. role that he played. He didn't say mm. dirty, stinking calf and mushrik that doesn't mm. make his stinja with najas on you. He didn't <laughs> say that. Mm. What kind of dao is that? What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. Our mothers, our mothers who are now Muslims. How do you turn around after becoming a Muslim and you're nasty and disrespectful to your mother, your father, who gave mm. you birth, gave you life by Allah's permission? So this is a narrative that I can't really You know, I've grasp. said this I've said this many times and many people know, but Dr. Bilal, it was one of his videos that actually made me become a Muslim. Uh is my experience in Africa seeing people messing with the jinn and things like this. And it was a lecture by Dr. Bilal which was explaining how these things happen, which really switched me, you know, and I've got a lot of uh, very grateful for that. No that, doubt, brother. Uh, that, that, Help. No doubt. I remember one time we were mm. new students, and I will, I'll never forget this. Bilal Phillips came to Al Medina. Mm. And when he came to Medina, um, we were all hanging out in the house of a brother. His name was Ismail. I think Ismail was from Maryland or something like that. I don't know what happened to Ismail. Abu Mahir. He was a very generous brother, and he used to have uh, dinners at his house for the students quite often. And we were a number of brothers who were in the university, and we were quite young. And it was time for Salat al-Maghrib, and we all got up and went to the masjid, and Dr. Bilal Phillips didn't go. And that's because he was a traveler from Arial. Mm. We don't know what his background and his story was. He chose not to go. And we all went to the mosque. And when we went to the mosque, some of the brothers were saying, man, he ain't even coming to pray. What's up with that? <laughs> and it was a thing in their hearts. What's up with that? He ain't even coming to pray. He don't even go to the masjid. <laughs> And that's what happens when you're young. Mm. There's a statement. It's a weak hadith. They say that the youth, being youth, being young, it's like being crazy. <laughs> when you're young, you just have these crazy ideas. Mm. And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu described the Khawarij as being people who are young with crazy ideas. Crazy mm. ideas. Had the brothers had a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more tolerance, a little mm. bit more patience. And I would even go as far as to say a little bit more sincerity mm. and step to him and ask him, not accuse him, ask him, mm. Sheikh, why aren't you going to the masjid? Why, what else? Why didn't you go? Mm. He would have said, I'm sure because I'm going to pray Maghrib with Isha mm. because it's not wajib for me to go to the masjid as a musafir. Mm. And then we would have just relaxed. Mm. 
And that's why Allah, his Prophet وسلم, told the people, oh, Allah said, Fas'alu ahli dhikr in kuntum la ta'alamun. Ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Let them explain it to you. But don't you become a mujtahid and you start making up rulings mm -hmm. on your own. No, know your position. You are young. Yeah. I'm older than many of these people, 55, 56, 57. I lose count. I'm getting old. You don't look a day over 57. No, I can still fight. I'm, <laughs> good. I'm not bragging, but I'm old, brother. I feel it. Sunnatullah. It's the sunnah of Allah. But I know I'm not a scholar. I'm not a mufti. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a mufti. I do the best that I can, but I got to know my position. So if a question comes that's bigger than my hedging, it's bigger than me, I have to fall back, fall to the black, and reach out to someone who I believe has more knowledge. So what we want our young brothers and sisters to do is be upon your religion with enthusiasm mm. and with seriousness, but know that you are young. Mm. There's a hadith that says three things will destroy you. Three things will destroy you. And the first one that he said, a person being impressed with himself. Mm. I'm in front of a microphone now and I'm impressed with myself, mm. who I am. Let's talk about me and what I did. Yeah. No, man. Prophet Muhammad, if anyone had the right to be impressed with themselves, it was him. But his dawah was to Allah. Call to the way of your Lord. All of those ayahs. Tell them, this is my way. I call to Allah on the right way. He didn't call to himself. And when the people took an opportunity to big him up like that, Ya Rasulullah, you're the best of us and the son of the best of us. He would tell them, Stop this and don't let a shaitan fool and trick you. Mm. Say, Abdullah wa Rasulullah. I'm just a man from Quraysh who mother, she used to eat a farid, a delicacy that the Arabs used to have. That's mm. how he was. Mm. So our dawah should be to him and not to ourselves or our group or our sheikh. Mm. Tie the people to the real aqidah, man. Mm. Here we talk yeah. about aqidah. Yeah. And people could tell you what books to learn from, yeah. but practically speaking, we don't find people mm. connecting them to the Quran, mm. connecting them to Allah, yeah. connecting them to the Sunnah of the Prophet mm. But we want to connect the people mm. to myself, to my group, to my masjid, mm. to my madhab, to my iman. No, mm. no way. And this is another reason what's the problem with the statement of that brother from America who studied in Yale University who mentioned this thing about aqidah is open, do, take whatever mm. you want. No. Mm. The Asha'ira, mm. that aqidah is named after a man, mm. Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari. Mm. The Jahmiyyah, many people don't know about it, but it's one mm. of those famous groups of deviation mm. and kufr. It's named after a man, a man. Mm. Okay? Jahm, Ibn Safwan. All of those Jamaat, mm. all of them, they come as a result of the creation of a human being. Mm. And our aqidah doesn't go back to one individual here or there from Adam's mm. sons or daughters. Go back to the kitab of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet as we mentioned, where the companions understood it. Now, Shaykh, with, with, on this uh, topic of aqidah, and of course, there's different ways of, how can I put, labeling or describing people who follow 
the way or the sunnah of the Prophet in his actions and his aqidah, etc. You know, in different countries, like for instance, Indo-Pak region, uh, that type of area, you might hear like Ahlul Hadith uh, in the West or in the Gulf, you might hear Salafi or things like this. What do these terms mean? I mean, personally, as I've mentioned this to you before, I find some of these terminologies can be problematic. Like I'll give you an example. Like if you go to Germany, and uh, within that country, Salafi actually means like ISIS. In Germany? In Germany. In where I live in, in Uganda, uh, Salafis are known as Tabliki Jama'at. Mm, so what I'm saying is it's, int- it's important that when we're using certain terminologies, and even in the West, if you say Salafi, it will mean a particular group, of, if you like, or group of brothers, for instance, you understand when when you when when someone hears this term, a particular uh, group of brothers would come to mind. If you if you understand what I mean by that, so I mean, how do we explain these this way? You know, scholars of the past, we have to accept and we have to embrace this. Um, the four imams: Al Imam Abu Hanifa, Al Imam Malik, Al Imam Ahmed, and Imam Shafi'i, Rahmatullahi All four of them accepted these different terms that describe the people of the Sunnah. So if someone is coming today and saying, I'm just a Muslim, that's cool and that's fine and that's dandy, but how can you say you follow those imams and you're on the madhab of those imams and all four of them Mm. accepted this classification and this categorization, the classification of Ahlul Hadith, that statement of the Prophet sallallahu They will not be a group of people. They will always remain a group of people from my community. They will be the uh, um, helped and they will be the ones that are mansoor. Al-Imam Ahmed said about this hadith, if it's not al-hadith, this group, I don't know who it is. Who is the prophet talking? This is not al-hadith. But what did he mean by al-hadith? He meant the people who practice the hadith. As he said, al-hadith are the people who practice the hadith. And Imam Abu Hanifa said, hmm. If the hadith is authentic, that's my madhab. So when Imam Ahmed, he said al-hadith, the same hadith that the group will be Mansura. That group would be the Ta'ifa and Mansura, the safe sect, the victorious sect, the Salafi people. All of the imams of the past, they didn't have anything to say about that. They didn't have a problem with it. But now we find that because of infighting, because of people claiming what is not true, uh, things are getting lost in translation and misappropriated and misunderstood. So I say right now, we have to have some understanding as far as People were giving dawah. If we find in Germany that they understand, Germans understand Salafiyah is ISIS, stay away from the word. Mm. And if you find over there in Uganda, Salafiyah, people of Salafiyah, Jamaat Tabliq, stay from the word. Mm. You don't have to go into a masjid and use that word at all. Mm. But from a theoretic perspective, a knowledge perspective, we shouldn't be predisposed to rejecting it because mm. we found the scholars that we love, honor, and respect, at least we mm. claim that, all of them were okay with these mm. different names. And they're just mm. synonyms. They're just yeah. synonyms. But they are used to divide the people unnecessarily. 
One of the usul and principles of a Salafiyah is Salafiyah comes to bring people together. It comes to unite people. So you can't take the religion to divide people unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. You and your brothers are on the same thing and you are dividing the people. There's some problem in your comprehension and your application of Salafiyah. Because Salafiyah, Al-Islam, seeks to bring Muslims together. Mm. And you're seeking to divide them. Mm. So when that incident that happened with the companions, may Allah be pleased with them in the story of the slander of our mother Aisha that's known as Qissat al-Ifq, when they accused her of committing adultery, when she was left in the desert and one of the companions came and picked her up and then they came into a Medina alone at midday and the Munafiqun saw them and said, they're having an affair. When the news hit the Prophet ﷺ, he went to the masjid and he said, who will help me against a group of people who are saying this thing against my wife and my companion who only know good about him? Some of the companions said, we will help you, Ya Rasulullah, because they knew that that guy was from the Ansar. Mm. So the people from the Muhajirun who came from Mecca, the companions who came from Mecca, they said, we will help you, knowing that the people were saying that were from the Ansar. They didn't like what was being said, but it wasn't from them. It was from the Ansar. They stood up, we will help you. And then the people from the Ansar, knowing that that man was from them, they said, um, no. And then they both groups stood up. They were about to fight each other. Civil war in the Prophet's Masjid. Some people were saying, we're the Ansar. And the other ones said, we're the Muhajireen. And both of those names are used in the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah mm -hmm. revealed both of those names. Allah mm -hmm. revealed both of those names. And yet when the people used it the wrong way, the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, do you people use the call of the times of Jahiliyyah? Mm. And I'm right here with you. Abandon mm. this. It stinks. It has a repugnant odor to it. Mm. So if I use, I'm African-American. I'm Maliki. I'm mm. this and I'm that. I'm mm. a super Salafi. I'm this. I'm that. I'm Hizbut Tahrir. I'm this. Uh, Mm. All I'm doing is dividing myself mm. unnecessarily. Recently, people have been debating online. You know, you've got Muslims debating each other, subhanAllah. And I've seen that recently you actually was a part of some of these videos. First of all, I would like to tell everybody, the young brothers and the du'at, the salaf of this ummah, they used to come up with principles to save us and to protect us. One of those principles that would help us about where we take our aqidah from is that Imam Malik and Imam Ahmed used to say, beware of taking a position that you don't have an Imam that preceded you in that statement. That would divinely protect you. So someone can't come now and say, I'm on a new aqidah. Everything is okay. Who said that before you? You'll be protected with that principle. Another one of those principles that we have is that the scholar said anyone who debates a lot and he makes that his way of religion anyone who does that a lot debating people he will change his colors a lot he will be on this day one day and this thing another day and that thing another day because your religion is debating so religion 
and debating and has its proper place as people, it's time. But the fitting of the culture we're living in right now, the culture of speaker's corner, millennials, um, social media, algorithms, followers, views, it makes things that are controversial. Everybody is jumping up and everybody has something to say. And it's just a lot of confusion. And the prophet told the truth, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he talked about the Ruaybida. He said that the Ruaybida is the ignoble person, an ignorant person. He's a nobody, and yet he's talking about the religion. So anybody can get up and talk about the religion. Just throw something out there, watch what's trending, and you're going to get people going to follow mm. that and have things to say. Make takfir of people, tabdir of people, tafsiq of people. He's a kafir, he's a mubtadi, he's a fazik, he's this, he's that. So for the youngsters out there and for all of us, don't be a person who's debating. Now, this issue of what happened recently is that I was contacted by a brother, Muhammad Hijab, who I met twice prior to that, once last year in preparation for Hajj. And I was by the house of a brother who graduated from Medina, one of my students. And he's graduated this past year from Kulliyat al-Hadith. I met Muhammad Hijab there. Not a nice opinion about him. I liked the way he was. He was respectful, respectable, calm. I liked that. He contacted me and said, would I like to do a program with him? And I said, yes, but and I started to ask some questions about himself and what I had heard. Peter Waqad. I heard this. I heard that. And I'm not one of those people who's just going to take what people tell me about other people. So I did my due diligence and I talked to him directly. If someone comes to you with news about something or someone, ascertain. And that's what I did. I was pleased with what he had told me and about himself. And I said, you know, people are saying about the brother. He's this, he's that. He's not this, he's not that. He's against the Sunnah, this and that. That's not what I heard from him. That's not what I heard from him. And I said to myself, he's a young brother, mashallah, and he has ability in his lane, mm. giving dawah and debating with non-Muslims. Mm. I heard that he was really good at that. But he has some mistakes here and there, things that mm. I don't agree with. So after that particular interview that I gave, some things came out. I wasn't pleased with those things. Mm. I wasn't pleased with those things. But is Muhammad Hijab perfect? No, you show me a perfect person giving da'wah to Allah. Mm. And I show you someone who is an angel or a prophet mm. or a messenger. So I believe someone like that, inshallah, from what I got from him, mm. my relationship with him mm. is that I don't agree with what people are saying. He makes mistakes. I'm free of people who want to bring scholars down. I'm free from buddy, mm. from anyone who wants to hit a serefi. I'm free from that. Mm. I'm, I'm free from that. That's my life. That's my dawah. That's my deen. Mm. But I believe that we should breathe on people. Yeah. We want people to be with us. We're not those people who, if someone isn't exactly with us at mm. every point, we want to throw them mm. off and crucify him. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I don't mm. agree with that. So people are allowed to disagree with me in the interview that I held that I did. You're allowed to disagree with me. That's your prerogative. I don't make walawa bara upon that. I don't. Mm. But I did what I did because I had a narrative that I wanted to share. I had a message that I wanted to share. And I shared that message. Mm -hmm. And I hope Allah accepts it from me. Yeah. I got good feedback from some mm -hmm. people. And I got bad feedback from others. Mm -hmm. I'm not stopping for, for that. Because mm -hmm. I got issues going on. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I do, but I do take on board yeah. 
what people advise me with. Yeah. I do take. I mean, Mohammed Jab, I I know him personally. He's a nice brother. He's young, um, but I think he has a lot of potential. You know, he certainly in areas like atheism and things like this. You know, he's he's done some very good good work. But as you said, no one's perfect. But I think it, one advice I would give personally uh, to uh, Brother Muhammad Hijab, myself, and other other people who are involved in the dawah, is to make use of the elders. Make use of the elders like yourself, other brothers, students of knowledge, people who have, have traveled, people who have studied, people who have made the mistakes. And just don't rush in putting things out. Check them, you know, consult people. Uh, you know, who are older than you. And sometimes this can actually get rid of a lot of, a lot of mistakes as well, you know. You know, I'm not into name dropping and things like that, but there are a number of young brothers that are out there that I really have uh, a lot of hope for them in the future. Mm-hmm. A number of young brothers, brothers who listen to advice. There's a brother in um, Nelson, I think you know him. Yes. Abu Abbas, Naveed, yeah. brothers like that. Abu Taymiyyah. Mm-hmm. His brothers, his brother Yasin, who is studying over in Saudi Arabia right now, as well as Khalid. So many really mm. nice young brothers who mm. they're open to listen and to take advice. And they're growing. Mm. My brother there in Birmingham right now, Abu Riyan, just a lot of young mm. brothers. A lot blessed. This brother who has memorized the Quran there from Ottawa in Canada, Abu Hamza Abdurrahman, who comes from. I, I, I met him with you in Medina. Yeah, beautiful yeah, brother, yeah. man. These young brothers, brother. Allah has blessed them with keen mm. intellects, memorization of the Quran. They have nashat, fetra. I mean, they have that. And I have to respect that. And we want mm. that. So as they grow and develop, we have to realize some of those brothers, they have been exposed to mm. more than us. They have mm. more knowledge than us. Mm. So we can't be jealous. Mm. But we have more experience in them, for an example. Mm. So we help each other. So Muhammad, Muhammad Hijab is a young brother, in my opinion. And I have hope that, inshallah, he wants good and he wants to do good. And I have that uh, conviction that uh, that's what he's mm-hmm. about. Because after that interview, he put some things up I wasn't fond mm-hmm. of, I wasn't in agreement with. And one mm-hmm. of them, he says something about a brother that wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned the brother's family and it wasn't cool. Advice was given to him and he took it down. Mm. He yeah. took it down. So I want to say to some mm. of the brothers who are giving dawah that we need to slow down because it is really a, a sad state of affairs that we want people to be mm. astray. Allah described the Muslims in the Quran, the believers are brothers. And then he described mm. that brotherhood. Muhammad Rasulullah Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And those people who are with him are stern and strong against mm. the disbelievers. And they are merciful amongst themselves. Yeah. Another ayah. Mm. They are gentle upon the believers. Strong against the non-Muslims. And they wage war in the cause of Allah. And they don't care about the censorship of those who criticize. Ahlul Sunnah, as Shaykh Islam ibn Utaymiyyah said, they're the most merciful people on the people. Mm. 
take it easy and be gentle with the people. That's how the yeah. Prophet was, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's how the Rulema yeah. were. We had this thing, may Allah break your back. <laughs> we had su'adhan. He's this, he's that. Yes, he made mistakes. My brother Munir, Muhammad Mufti Munir, when he was coming over here, he chose to do something, certain things, go here, go there. Mm. People wanted to crucify him. Mm. I was disappointed in the way our brothers deal with issues like that. It's immature. Mm. It's reckless. And then, you know, brothers like Abdul Haq Baker, Dr. Abdul Haq Baker, he did an interview, an interview with um, this brother. And there were people of a takfir who oh. went in on Dr. Abdul Haq Baker. Where were these brothers in defending his honor? Where were these brothers when it came to defending him? No, brothers are just, you know, absorbed and super indulgent and criticizing him. How could he do that? Why would he do that? He did it because he thought it was going to be beneficial. You may not agree with him. Talk to him. But where are you at when it comes to defending his honor? You were so worried about the honor of this one and that one, which is cool. It's from the dean, no problem. He was talking about people who were extreme and the brother Muhammad Hijab said something that was inappropriate and everybody said that's inappropriate. Well, Dr. Abdul Haq Baker advised the brother, Alhamdulillah. But where were you in the honor of Dr. Abdul Haq Baker? So it's really weird, Dr. It's like Donald Trump, to be honest with you. Donald Trump is in America screaming, telling people, if you don't like it here, then get out of here. You're not really mm. from here. Ilham Irma, the senator, and other people. If you don't like it here, get out of here. Mm. It's as if people hear that and they don't realize, hey, Donald Trump, this lady, Ilham Irma, she came from Somalia, but may Allah guide us and guide her, help us and help her. She was born in Somalia, but she's been an American longer than your wife. Mm. All of your children come from immigrants. Mm. So... Why don't we think, you know, like, it's weird that yeah. people don't make those kinds of connections. Yeah. So here, I'm saying that to say, yeah, you weren't about the honor of that brother. And that's all. That's okay. As I said, and that's why yeah. hijab was advised. Come on, man, take that down. That's not cool. Don't make it personal. Yeah. But where were you when it came to the haq of Abdul Haq Baker, when yeah. people said he was a kafir? Yeah. That's worse than what hijab was saying. Yeah. They were saying he was a kafir. So mm. where's the intisar of your brother? Mm. So we're living in a time of Pesar Pesar. We don't have much time left. And I want to just get on to a final bit of advice from yourself. And inshallah, I'd like to do more podcasts with you uh, in the future as well, if that's possible. But I'd like some final points of advice to the Muslims uh, just before we go. Well, I give advice to the community with the taqwa of Allah in making islah and rectifying the affairs it starts off with everybody taking personal responsibility for their own selves and then we go down based upon who's under your supervision the uh, community, the mujtama, the society it is not rectified by the ruler it's not rectified by your group is rectified by each individual taking it upon himself. Try to be a better Muslim. And as a father, you try to help your family to be better Muslims and in our communities and so forth and so on. So 
my advice is to have the taqwa of Allah as the Prophet وسلم, was advised with. And as he brought that book of Allah Ta'ala, Ya ayyuladheena amanu taqullah, fear Allah Azza to the best of your ability. And I think we're living in a time right now where, as he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the people have come together against the Kiss community, like the people who converge on one plate. Mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, labor, Nazis, far right, the left, LGBT, rich, poor, white, black, African, Arabs, everybody came in the common denominator of hate is Islam and the Muslims. And with that being the case, it doesn't make any sense for us to be enemies to one another unnecessarily and we're on the same thing. Pull each other close and we're on the same thing. And let's get closer because it's the deen that brings us together and we're on the same thing. As for the Muslims who are not on what we're on, let's have some rahma on them. And let's do our best to get them in a position where they can come close. As opposed to, you're not with me and you're an enemy of mine because the Salaf said this, the Salaf said that. Brother, you are not understanding the situation. If you would allow me to tell this story of what happened, take one minute, two minutes. This Saturday, I went to a wedding of a brother who accepted Islam two years in Ramadan in Bradford. I was given a khutbah at Islam Bradford. Yeah, yeah, His brother this. became a Muslim. His brother was exposed to some brothers from SP, but he didn't get with that. They were, they were giving him dawah. He would listen and he was nice, but he wasn't on that. One time he came here, he used to come to Liverpool for the Juma every so often to stay in touch with me. We were walking out of my office to go around to the, Masjid, mm. and some of these brothers from SP were standing there. Mm. They don't know this brother. Yeah. This brother is young, and he said, with a big smile on his face and love, Assalamu alaikum. Mm. They didn't know that brother, but just because he was with me, they didn't give him any love, no salams. And they looked at him as if he crawled from under a rock. It was no love. And this is a sincere mm. beginning brother. Muslim, yeah. 25, 26, he's a chemist. He's a good brother, When they looked at him and they didn't give him that love that he was giving them, he said, and he's been accepted to Al Medina now as well. He said to me, they don't even know me. He was hurt, shocked, because he saw the way they looked and he knew who they were. He was hurt, but it was a lesson for him. And that lesson was, this is not the Sunnah. This is not how you treat people. He got married Saturday. I went to his wedding. At the wedding with some of those brothers from SB at the wedding. We're in the wedding and their kofar there, his relatives, kofar. It wasn't a big hall. So we could hear the women going, lit, 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 lit. <laughs> we can hear that. And they were doing the guff. And you can hear the women's voices. You couldn't see them. You can hear Anashid with music. I'm not criticizing. I'm saying that's the So some things were munkar that were there. When the brothers came in from SP, six, seven of them, when they saw me, when they saw me, it was like, wow. So they left. They left. Mm. And so they know this brother. Mm. They know this brother because when they came in, they hugged him and everything. He's not with them, but they're his friends. They know him. Some of them left. They left. Just because of you. Because the Mubtadi was there. Abu Sama the Mubtadi. What about the non-Muslims were there? 
Nah, you're worse with than the Mubtadi. You're worse than them. Because the non-Muslims are kafir. Mubtadi is more dangerous. The Salaf said. The yeah. Salaf said. Mubtadi is more dangerous. What about the... No, 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 no. What? what? No, no. The Mubtadi. And it's that type of mentality, yeah. brother, that some of us has. And it's just not those brothers. All of these jama'at have mm. people who are like that. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And I don't want our young brothers and sisters to love and hate based upon your imam, based upon your medhat, based upon your masjid, based upon your teacher. So it's not permissible. That's my advice. Stay balanced. Stay, stay safe and stay sucker free. And stay salafi, those of you who are salafi, and try to be salafi, inshallah. Just before we um, finish, I just want to direct people towards some of your work. Um, we have the Green Lane uh, YouTube channel. You have a lot of lectures on there. You have weekly weekly lectures. It's on a Thursday. If I'm, yeah, do yeah. a weekly lecture in Green Lane. So if you're, down, if you're down in Birmingham, you know, can get down to Green Lane. Uh, any other lectures you do about the week? Yeah, yeah I'm mostly here. I'm here. Yeah, this is in, my community. And this here. is what I have to Masjid deal with. Rahma, you're here on a daily basis. So we, we encourage people to tune in and benefit. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back in the future, Sheikh. Shukran, John Fontaine. May Allah Shukran. bless you, man, Shukran. and your family. And, and inshallah, hopefully, I'll see you on Hajj again. Inshallah. And uh, hopefully, we'll be there together, inshallah. Looking forward to seeing you, right? <laughs> Actually, just one last thing. Sure. You know, you told me a very nice thing which uh, stuck with me when we was on, I think, Umrah Hajj, one of them. And you're saying people have different uh strengths in their worship you know some people they're very good at fasting they've got the monday and thursday locked off some people are very good at the tahajjud some people are good in charity and you were saying that um, this is not this is just uh as, as your thing as you're saying make like, it clear make it clear. for you teach yeah for teach, you brother <laughs> so the people from the nation of Islam used to speech, say, make speech. it clear, make it clear. Teach, bro. Go ahead. No, you were saying for one of your things is the Umrah and the Hajj. Mm. You know, this is something that you personally connect with and you found one of your strengths. Yeah, Hajj is an ibadah that is awesome, especially when you're giving dawah because you have these pilgrims who are there and they're like a blackboard or a whiteboard. And as the teacher, you take the opportunity at Hajj to call them to the Sunnah, to call them to Salat, to call them to Tawheed, to address so many issues. That's in terms of Dawah, it's an awesome experience. Mm -hmm. And as far as performing Hajj itself, for me, it's that Ibadah from the Ibadat of Al-Islam that resonates with me. I like that Jihad, mm -hmm. because you're so tired when you perform Hajj, you feel at the end of it, I think I did something for Islam. I felt yeah. like I did something for yeah. Islam. So when our Iman goes up in Ramadan because of the fasting, Hajj is the same way. Your Iman goes up in a different way. Yeah. And that's why we find people like Hassan, Ibn Ali, Ibn Abi Talib, and other companions that used to make Hajj, radiallahu anhum, 20 times, 30 times, walking, walking. Yeah. And they'll make Hajj over and over again. Mm -hmm. And anyone who does the Hajj correctly, he'll return like the day his mother gave birth to him. So it's a, it is, in and of itself, mm -hmm. from all angles, a tremendous ibadah. And from the ni'mah of Allah that he afforded me the opportunity to go 
every year. Yeah. Good reminder. So anyone who's not been to Hajj, make the plans and get it done. Inshallah. And and in saying what you're saying, yeah. your thing may not be Hajj. Mm. So your thing may be being respectful to your parents, like some of the Tabi'in and other people. The Prophet said he was really good to his mother. That's mm. your thing. His thing is giving sadaqah. Mm. His thing is giving the adhan. His thing is praying in the first row on the right side. Mm. His thing is doing the Quran in a month. Mm. His thing over there is, you know, whatever it happens to be. Mm. Working with the youth, mentoring people, just getting your lane and do you to the best of your ability and don't hate other people who are doing the things that they're doing. Do something for Allah with this song. That's it, brother. Ihsan. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Shukran, look, I appreciate it, man. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the Young Smirks podcast with me, John Fontaine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and all the other outlets. Like and subscribe and leave a comment. And also, please support us on the donation link below so that we can continue to give you quality podcasts. Thank you very much. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh.